I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. Port Arthur is a historic convict site located in Tasmania, Australia. It was established as a penal colony for the most hardened of Britain's convicts who were sent to Australia as a punishment for their crimes. Port Arthur was a harsh and brutal place where prisoners would be forced to work long hours in terrible conditions and where escape was virtually impossible. Written evidence of unexplained happenings at Port Arthur dates back to 1870. Phenomena range from disembodied voices and poltergeist movement to people being physically attacked. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode, we will explore the site, which is one of the most haunted places in Australia. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. And welcome back to the studio, Anne. Thank you, Renata. I think I um, needed to put my teeth back in there. I just could not get my tongue around all the... I was dropping eyes, the vowels were going everywhere, there was no T sounds. Oh, it took me like six goes to get that first sentence out. We're over that now. We are over it. Mm. I think you're over it completely today. Mm. I can just see it in your face. It's like I've had enough. I'm (laughs) going to smack someone down next time they say anything to me or look sideways. Ah, we're getting there. We're getting there. You you crook again, my love. Yes, it's my turn now for a, a, yes... Weeks, weeks, weeks of it. and weeks, weeks of it. Yes, we've had enough. We are heading off in three weeks, and we will be well. We're getting it all done now. All yes. the illnesses are getting done right now. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. And I've just been working on the Prague Germany trip as well, and booked some flights and ferries and um, Isle of Scotch tasting, which is not about you at all, because you're going to go visit your other travel buddy, Gail. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I spent some fun days with her travelling yes. around Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Aberdeen and um, Edin- Edinburgh. <laughs> so uh, Edinburgh. Yes. So we'll be doing some stuff there. And uh, you're going to go wine tasting. No, oh. uh, scotch tasting. I'm, I'm going looking for spirit, the uh, yes. scotch kind. Yes. And uh, that's because my husband, Roman, will be with us and... He just loves the Isle of Isla. I actually rang him up earlier and said, so how many nights do you want there? Two or three? As many as we can get. Mm. So we're there for four nights. Okay. He's going to have a pickled liver by the time we get off that because I don't drink scotch. So I'll just be the driver and uh, I'll eat scampi chips. (laughs) Excitement plus. I know, right? (laughs) I'm going to be climbing the walls by the time I get back to you. (laughs) 
Yes. Um, and beyond that, we are uh, releasing uh, what is left of our... Um, well, you released a lot the other week. North, Norfolk Island tour. <laughs> yes. Oh, so wow. Yeah. We have a, a Norfolk Island tour coming up in September. Yeah. But as we do... To those that uh, belong to our Patreon and our sort of inner circle supporters, our grand poobars, they get first dibs. And they dibbed away. They dibbed a lot. We've, they, they've we've, half dibbed. Yeah, the, the tour is half sold before it's released. Yes. Yep. So it'll be, um, yeah, I'll look, I know the rest of it will sell. Absolutely. <laughs> well, considering tour. we haven't announced it and we've, we've sold that many, mm. I, I think we should be fine because it's only a, a little boutique tour. It only takes yes. 16 people. Yes. So. so that's got to be fun. Yeah. Um, oh. We did um, have a lovely conversation with a, a friend from America a few days ago who has given oh, us yes. some uh, interesting, interesting things to think about Um in the next 12 months. Yep. So we will be having further conversations about some exciting events coming some up. surprises. Yes, we can't say anything at the moment, but we're going to, we're just going to kind of, yeah, dangle the carrot We're going to sit on that egg and warm it. Mm, yes, <laughs> a lot, a lot until it's ready, ready to hatch. But yes, it's going to be fun, fun 12 months. Yeah. Um, so yes. All right. Well, let's get on to this because this we're back in Australia for this one. Yes, and it's been a while. And look, this one we've actually been avoiding, in all honesty, because uh, we'll we'll go into all the history and everything. But we decided it's time, and we will now present to you the ghosts of Port Arthur. Whether you're a believer in the supernatural or not, you cannot deny some historical places and buildings in the world radiate a certain energy. What this energy is, we don't know, but stories of unexpected reactions to this invisible force field are experienced daily the world over. As I run my fingers slowly across the handmade clay brick remains of once imposing structures built on the blood, sweat and tears of convicts at the notorious Port Arthur historic site, I feel this energy, a deep melancholy and unexplained sadness. The unease contradicts the view I'm drinking in. The day is warm and peaceful with the leaves of broad ancient oaks and gum trees chattering in the breeze. Bumblebees hover over colourful flower beds and cherry and apple trees are bursting with fruit. Perhaps my melancholy can, in part, be attributed to my knowledge of the history of Port Arthur, both recent and past. This was not a happy place for many, and as an adult, I am empathetic to events and situations I've not personally experienced. However, what I did not account for was the intense reaction my seven-year-old son had during our visit. Not yet of the age at which I thought it necessary to provide a detailed history of Port Arthur, as far as he was aware, we were just looking at a bunch of old buildings. At first he was inquisitive, happy to skip beside us as we explored the old church, the government cottage and gardens, but his mood changed dramatically when he refused to cross the threshold of the parsonage reputably one of the most haunted buildings in Australia. Over the next 30 minutes, my son's emotions intensified as he became teary and extremely difficult, clenching his fists by his side as he moved unwillingly from site to site, refusing to enter any structures. He was unable to articulate what his problem was other than saying, I'm just angry over and over again. Thinking this was a rare and, by his usual standards, a particularly odd tantrum, we persisted with our visit. We could not, however, ignore him when he began pacing in a circle near the chilling separate prison, intermittently growling under his breath. 
The prison had been built for the physical, mental and sensory isolation of unruly convicts. Truly hell on earth for those unlucky enough to wind up in there. By this time, my son was attracting the attention of others with his distressed growling and pacing. I bundled him in my arms, imploring him to tell me what was wrong. But his response was forced and stilted. I am trying to keep the mad in. That was enough for us to finish our visit and head for the exit at the Port Arthur Visitor Centre. Our little boy seemingly racked with grief, holding back tears and growling all the way. Rather exasperated, our day had been cut short by what I thought must have been a tired, hungry or bored child. I certainly was not expecting and cannot explain what happened next. The moment we stepped through the doors into the recently built centre, I immediately felt my son's vice-like grip release in my hand as he halted, closed his eyes and let out a huge sigh that made him slump forward. Bent over with hands on his knees, he took a few more deep breaths, then looked up and said, I feel better now. All the mad has gone away. And that was it. In the blink of an eye, my gentle and happy son was back. If his sudden recovery had occurred anywhere else, I may not have made any connection to a possible emotional haunting, but my fears were confirmed when a Port Arthur staff member mentioned accounts of similar reactions from visitors along with visual, physical and sensory encounters. It rocked us to the core when we also discovered the area our son was anxiously pacing around was the very spot of a brutal solitary confinement cell once used to house the worst of the worst tortured souls in convict days. Spirits of broken men whose legacies remain in the physical ruins and the unsettling energy cloaking the otherwise exquisite setting that is Port Arthur. We feel you. Wow. That was a big story. That eh? was a big story. Mm. That was um, actually an article called Haunting Encounter at Port Arthur by Leonie Van Van Dieven. And it was from the website bne.com.au. And it was compelling. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it just raises so many questions, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, we've been to Port Arthur. We have. I've been to Port Arthur maybe three times, I think. Yeah, I I've done it twice. Yeah. And um, the first time I went there was many, many years ago. And we had, I went there with my husband um, and we had one of those motorhome things. Oh, yes. And uh, we arrived at, in the pitch black of the afternoon, probably, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, parked the motorhome to... Yeah, get fresh water and everything. And uh, when we woke up, we were smack bang in the middle of the car park area, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which you're supposed to pay for to get in. Oh, oop, Uh, So we did the whole tour of Port Arthur and everything until we got to one spot where a guide said, oh, can I just see your tickets? And we've gone, what tickets? Yeah, the tickets you got when you, you know, paid to get in. We've gone, oh, boy. Left them back in the car? Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, realised that, whoopsie. Oop, we, we needed to pay to get in. But How did you manage to get in, though? I don't know. I don't know. This is a long time ago. I don't know how. Yeah. Whatever. Many things have changed since then. Yes. Um, but Port Arthur, as you said. Oh, hang on. Can I tell you when I went? Yeah. I went when I was on a cruise ship. <laughs> oh yes, you did for you. Yes, and uh, we got off and met up with you, yes. and uh, that's when we went into Port Arthur. But the second time, I did remember when the second time was, and it was in January, which is the hottest month of um, summer here in Australia, and. Uh, it was a freezing cold day and we were out in our balcony and it started to snow. Oh, It was insane. I've got wow. this video of these little snowflakes fluttering down in the middle of um, 
January, so I thought, well, that's a sign. Hell has frozen over, no. so I'm just going to stay where I am. Oh. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have clothes for that. No, no. It, and, yeah, you can have all four seasons in one day in Tasmania. You can. Uh, it is a, a beautiful, beautiful part of Australia. Oh, it is. It's one of my favourite bits of Australia. Yeah, but what I was going to say was Sorry. that Port Arthur is very much, as you exactly said, when you sort of drive there and you drive in it is this beautiful area of um, the Tasman Peninsula and it's got trees and birds are chirping and you've got um, the the water you've got the Isle of the Dead you've got all of this stuff and and then you've got these ruins which it's it looks very pristine when you go there now very neat and tidy very neat and tidy and I would assume it probably was very neat and tidy in the day but something in your brain just doesn't compute with regard to the things that actually happened there it looks too pretty yeah i I think when you get to the separate prison to the prison area um it, it kind of dawns on you a little bit more there but yeah it's yeah, an interesting place. Now, a little bit of history. So the port- should, should we mention first why we've hesitated for so long to do this? Yeah, yeah, And yep, I think sure. that's we're only just going to briefly touch on it because there will be people that will be um, thinking we're going to approach this from all angles. And uh, very sadly, uh, at this historic location, Australia had its uh, biggest mass murder. Mm-hmm. When and we're not going to t- mention his name because he doesn't get my breath. Uh, where he opened fire and took the lives of many people, and it is still very fresh. Mm-hmm. There are still guides that work at the location that were there that day. Mm-hmm. There are still families alive who lost loved ones, and we will not be covering that massacre at all. Mm. We're not talking about that. We are going to be looking at the historic convict history of Port Arthur, and we are going to, uh, out of respect for those who are still alive, uh, leave the other aspect of it. Yeah, that's right. So. Now, where do you pick up after that? (laughs) The Port Arthur Historic Site uh, is located in a small town um, in the south part of the Tasman Peninsula. So it sort of is about 60 kilometres southeast of Hobart. And the town was named after Sir George Arthur, who was Lieutenant Governor of Van Diemen's Land, which what Tasmania was called back then from 1823 to 1837. And he was the man behind the foundation of the settlement. So the, the whole idea was that um, the United Kingdom was trying to get of get rid of its convicts um, because they were stacked up um, in vessels uh, in the harbours because the prisons were chock-a-block full because there were 220-odd um, crimes that you a could ridiculous be, amount of things, yeah. yeah. That could, you could be sentenced to death for and a whole lot of... And oh, we touched on that yeah. for the Derby Jail. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... It, it, it was chaos. And the issue, too, was that um, they had colonies in the Americas, but um, the Americas were having a, the Americans were having a civil war. They didn't want any of the prisoners going there. The islands didn't have enough food and capacity to hold um, convicts. And so oh, let's let's get a grand idea and let's go to the other side of the world, which theoretically may or may not exist <laughs> and uh, well, let's, maybe they were going to hope they'd just sail off the edge yeah, let's let's create a colony there um and uh, so captain cook obviously came and found australia because it was hiding <laughs> <laughs> at that stage Surprise! <laughs> and uh and so uh they found Lots of good stuff here, lots of good timber, coal, everything that um, could have benefited the the um, the motherland, and um, a great place to dump people. <laughs> they'll oh, be fine. Just leave them be, there. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be okay. And so, uh, yes, transportation became one of the uh, things that you could set the sentences you could receive. We became a giant prison. Yes. An absolutely giant prison. So Tasmania is kind of off the um, edge of the mainland, right down the bottom. It's this little, like, 
bit that hangs off the edge. At some stage, like a sheep's dag. At some stage, it was connected. Um, some people like to refer to it as like the woman's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The greenery. Right. The shrubs. Fine. <laughs> no, we won't go there. It's just the shape. Uh, but yes, uh, it became uh, one of the places where convicts w- were uh, delivered mm-hmm. to work hard for their um, sentence. And the other one was Sydney, of course, mm-hmm. on the main- mainland in New and South Wales. And Norfolk Island. And Norfolk Island, yes. yes. Yeah, lots of places to deliver these poor souls. So in 1930, there was a small timber station that was started again, because the timbers were required for shipbuilding. My brain heard 1930 then. I don't know why. I know you said 1830. 1830, yeah. Uh, Yes, for shipbuilding, for masts, and for um, taking all of that beautiful timber, especially cedar, back over to uh, the United Kingdom for their housing. So that's where Port Arthur originally started and um, the convicts that were brought there uh, were mainly repeat offenders. So they may well have been uh, in the colony in Sydney for a period of time and committed crimes. And so they were sent then to um, Port Arthur Mm -hmm. and to Newcastle, where we are. The... Uh, The next house that was built was the Commandant's House, and that was built in 1833. And the Commandant at that time was Charles O'Hara Booth, and he had a little wooden cottage that overlooked the settlement. But, you know, that that really wasn't suitable for the Commandant. And so over time, there was a more permanent structure that was built, and that is now a museum. And we actually walked into that. Mm -hmm. So that was right up kind of the edge there were little gardens and everything, and there were convicts that would maintain the gardens. I had a bit of a a, um, a connection there when I went there. I felt like there was someone there as I was walking up towards the um, building, mm-hmm. Commandant's house. I remember that, actually. Yeah. Yes. And um, I walked in with whoever escorted me in. Yep. And, and we, that's not someone with a pulse. No. And we looked around the house. Um very majestic for the commandant at mm. that time. Very, very good-looking home. Uh, and, of course, that's open now to, to people to go and visit. The next thing was the dockyard, and the dockyard was completed and had a master shipwright's house, and uh, that was built in about 1834. Now, between 1834 and 1848, that Port Arthur area um, became... Uh, Tasmania's busiest shipyard. Uh, It was one of only three convict-built dockyards in the whole of the British Empire, and the convicts also built the hundreds of ships that came from here. The convicts had no idea how to make ships or create build ships. No, so just just make us a ship, will you? Yeah, how they, they meant to do that? They must. They did pretty well considering, and we've heard a lot. Um, this happened with the roads when they were building the old Great North Road too, and you had all of these unskilled workers that, for whatever reasons, took pride in the work that they did, and completed amazing structures. Um, The old Great North Road, which spans from behind Windsor into the Hunter Valley, um, is filled with artefacts from the convict era. Uh, And they they would actually sign their names into the rocks for the parts that they did. So, yeah, um, they, they did good work. They really did good work. Now, most of the convicts assigned, uh, as I said, to this job had no skills and many of them were boys from the Boys Penitentiary um, that was founded across the bay in 1834. So the young lads that came along were actually dumped on a little island um, where they could cause havoc there. Lord of the Flies, here we go. And uh, there was a, a Boys Penitentiary that was founded there. It was one of two in the whole of England. There was one in England at that time and the one that they built on the island there at oh. Port Arthur, the boys' penitentiary. I'm, I'm squirrelling over here because I'm actually trying to find my photos for Port Arthur. So poor and, Renata's looking at me trying to engage and I'm going, oh, look at that. Oh, you forgot about that. Oh. <laughs> and uh, the idea at that time was to give them a trade 
So once they had done their time, they could go on and um, be good people in the settlement if they decide to stay in Australia or um, going back Mm. overseas. They actually had something that they could do. They had a plan. They had a plan. Now, the first master master shipwright was John Watson. I thought we'd go for master chef there for a moment. Uh, And he was uh, replaced by a David Hoy... Uh, and Oy. they looked after the whole business of the ships coming in and out and the building and everything. You can still see the remnants of where uh, the timbers would be brought down to the harbour and that work um, was done. Uh, and the guides actually show you that when you're on those little... On the tour you didn't pay for. <laughs> on, no, on, on when they take you out to the Isle of the Dead. Oh, the Isle of the Dead. Yeah. So the convict church was built and it overlooked the main settlement and it could accommodate more than a thousand people, a a thousand very thin people. Mm. Mm. And it was built between 1836 and 1837. It's beautiful though, the sandstone and everything. Yeah, it is. But do you know that the church was never consecrated? (gasps) Really? And that's because the parishioners were from so many different denominations. Oh. Oh, you didn't want to start the war again between the Catholics and the Protestants. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, Put all the heathens in there together. Yeah, yeah. Now, near the prisoners' barracks, the hospital was built in 1841, uh, and this building was the third hospital built at the settlement, and in addition to the wards, it also had a morgue and a laundry and a kitchen and a baking room. Now, there was also a civil officer's row. Uh, the parsonage and accountant's house were put in in 1842. And then the Roman Catholic Church chaplain's house, oh. or the parsonage, oh. which is supposed to be one of the most haunted places yes. there. That was built in 1843. Then you had the magistrate's and surgeon's house, which followed in 1847, and the junior medical officer's house in 1848. Now... That's a lot, and the layout of Port Arthur is is big. It's huge. Yeah. It's it's a good solid walk um, from one you know area to the other. Yep. They have those little golf carts that you can actually hire if you can't oh, walk geez, it. I wish I thought of that at to the get time. around. Yeah, um, because it is quite a big site, and there there does it's it's a little bit similar to Norfolk Island, where you've got you know the, the buildings that are assigned to the free people. Um, and those in charge sort of are up one end and they've got lovely little gardens and, you know, they're beautiful timber little buildings with verandas and fences and all of this sort of stuff. And then you have the bit down the bottom. Yes, they put them away so they couldn't smell them. Yeah, stinky prisoners and everything would, you know, would work. Um, Now, the site also has um, the old workings of the mines. And they used to send the children down to the mines and they would work there all day long. Yeah, because they were small. They could get in there. And they could sleep down there. Um, And that is kind of, it's connected to Port Arthur, but it's sort of tucked away in a corner. Uh, Very little of it remains, but you can go and see some of the... um, what whatever is left there it's it's kind of a part of history that they don't really take a lot of time mentioning mm. but it is really part of what again what was happening down there at, at port arthur so much history at port arthur mm-hmm. so much now there's also the penitentiary the construction for that started in 1842 uh, but the building was originally created to serve as a fa- flour mill and a granary Interestingly enough, the plan was to supply the settlement's convict population with bread baked on site. Oh, fresh bread. Wow. Now, the convict population at that stage was 3,500 by 1844. Wow. Uh, The project failed. That's a huge amount of people. Yes, yes. Project failed. They couldn't keep up with that. Um, they 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 got oh, horrible stuff like gruel in the morning and then gruel at night and gruel is like crushed up oats with water or something. Yeah. It? It's just horrible stuff. It's very um, watery. There's not much substance to it. Yeah, and uh, in the end, they converted it to the penitentiary and that could accommodate 480 um, prisoners. Now, further inland from the penitentiary was the separate prison, and that was built in 1850. And that that doesn't mean it was separate from everywhere else. It was a term 
used for the style of prison it was. Yes, and that is because they had tried all types of physical punishment, including floggings and everything that they could to reform the convicts, and it didn't work. So guess what they went to? They went to psychological punishment instead. So if we can't break them this way, we'll break them another way. And the separate prison was for each of the prisoners to be actually separated, Mm -hmm. separated. And it was for them to contemplate their deeds and change their ways or send them psycho, right? Now, this also happened in other prisons around Australia. It was something that also happened at our Maitland Jail. So um, one of the forms of psychological punishment, and this is for Tasmania, for Port Arthur, was to reward all behaved, well-behaved prisoners with extra food, while those who needed to be punished received only a little food, bread and water. So you've got a separation now of the goodies and the baddies. And so, of course, the baddies are going to hate the goodies. That still happens today. Mm-hmm. Now, another punishment was called the silent system. And that was where a prisoner would be hooded and forced to stand in silence. Uh, if he went, and this was 24, 23 out of 24 hours a day oh. um, he spent in the cells. When he was let out uh, to go to exercise or church, they would wear masks uh, and hoods so they could not look at each other and could not communicate with each other. The wardens, and, and this, when we talk about silence, it's silence. So the wardens that worked at the separate prison had to wear felt slippers so that their steps could not even be heard. So there was no input. Nothing. Nothing. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I mean, I'm at home alone now because my husband's working away and I'm going nuts. It's so quiet in the house. I can't imagine because it's not really quiet. There's Mm. there's noises, but I can't even imagine. I can't. I'd Mm. I'd go around the twist. Mm. Now, those that died at Port Arthur, they were buried on what was called the Isle of the Dead, which was a little offshore island. And um, you can now catch a sort of a ferry, and they take you there. And so, was uh, it the it prisoners all. as well, or just the um, the free people? There are a thousand people buried there. That's tiny. It's I know. How can they put a? Th- I, I know. I d- I don't know. I'm, I remember the guide telling us that you know you may see bones because it's so small and everyone's piled in on top of everyone in there. It's just it, yeah, yeah, and it's all fenced off. You can't actually get into the. 
I know you one have of to the, stay in the bath. we have said this before that one of the things that we would love to do is spend a night on the yes. Isle of the Dead. <laughs> yes. So in the years between 19, uh, 1833 and 1877, when the prison was closed down, more than a 1,000 people were buried here. Uh, there have been some interesting grave diggers along the way, uh, often uh, convicts who decided to, um, or maybe not decided to, but were forced to live on the island, one of them being um, Mark Jeffrey, who I think I have a T-shirt of. <laughs> and oh, what? <laughs> he was put on the island because of his violent temper. <coughs> And uh, he was quite happy, actually, to live there away from the prisoners. And this is all before um, they knew about mental illness and yeah. and imbalances of chemicals in the brain. And some of these things now could have been solved. Yep. So they wouldn't have been like that. Yep. A lot of them would have been ADHD people who just wouldn't couldn't control themselves. Mm, yeah. Says me. It's, yeah, and you. <laughs> now... Jeffrey was happy enough to stay on the island uh, until one night, according to him, the devil visited him in his hut. And uh, that was it. It's all over Red Rover after that. He just begged to be taken off that island. Um, and eventually he died in uh, Lonnie, Launceston. Okay, well, I'll take that story off my list. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Ah. So <laughs> transportation ended in 1853. Uh, and from that time on, the numbers at Port Arthur began to decline. Uh, gradually, the station began to resemble an old men's home. What? Oh, paupers who were ex-convicts who were too old or ill to work were sent there from around the state. And the lunatic asylum received the mentally ill from the peninsula and everywhere in the colony. So eventually there were too few men to do the work necessary to keep the station running and it became very expensive to keep it open and authorities closed Port Arthur in 1877. So, so it really wasn't open for that long time. No, 1830 to yeah. 1877. That's only 40-odd years. Mm. For mm. the amount of structure that is there mm. and massive big structures, that's not very long. Now, those that were still there um, actually went to New Norfolk. Oh, we mm. know New Norfolk. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, the site was broken up into lots and was sold off to private buyers. And gradually a small town grew there. Um, it was renamed Carnarvon to disguise its past. But soon it became clear that this was an unhappy past and kind of as time grew and thank goodness not everything had been thrown out and there were still buildings and um, artifacts still there they turned it into a tourism site and it now sees thousands of people daily as a, a reminder of um, Australia's past and the cruelty of mankind yeah well, you look very proud of yourself. You're yeah. sitting upright going, well, I've done my that's bit. me done. Okay. I'm going to hand over to you now, yes. knowing full well that you sort of caught me with the pants down around my ankles going, oh, God, we're we doing this today. Uh-oh, best I hurry up and get my stories back together. <laughs> that's okay. You're prepared. I'm prepared. We're going for the ghost stories now. So this is one of these historical sort of um, things that we look at and we don't have... I suppose we do have modern stories, and I have actually grabbed a couple of those, but it's it's so many layers of hardship and torture and cruelness, and and some of these people were not even guilty that mm. were sent out here. Mm. So I sort of went looking first for stories to do with the present things that were happening to people. And that's where I found that one about the the, the mother and the seven-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And I found another website that had some personal stories as well. But I thought what I might do is start off with a menu, a, a lovely menu. Like, you know, when we have some of the hotel ones we do and they give you a menu of rooms. Yes. Well, I've got a menu of buildings that I thought we might just have a look at. Sure. Now, the first one we're going to mention is the Curse of the Point Pure prison boys. So there were many young children that were there at the jail. Yes. Um, and they were forced to perform quite hard labor. They ended up getting diseases. They died from the diseases. They were sick. They were starving. They were um, forced to cut stone, haul stones to make the church. Um, and 
you know, they were, they were barely being fed, as you said. They are hardly getting anything. And boys, normally of a young age, can get up to mischief as well. So I, I can't even imagine how dreadful this would have been for them. So it is said that the souls of these young men cursed the church building Mm-hmm. and the construction of the whole church building. Mm-hmm. So I, I quite like the idea that there is a curse on the church. Um, That's another very small kind of area for all those people to be on too. It's not It's not a big – these islands that we're talking about are quite tiny. Yeah. They're, they're not huge at all. Then we've got the jetty. So uh, near the jetty dock two point – how do you say it? P-U-E-R. Pure? We'll go with that. Um, you, apparently there is a, a ghost of a young soldier down there. Uh, there's a cottage. Uh, and in 1840, Private Robert Young fell into the black waters in the middle of the night. He was on his way to deliver a doctor to the uh, to a young boy's prison. And despite all the efforts they, they had to try and pull him out of the water, they just couldn't get him out because you know what their uniforms were like. Oh. They wool. were wool. So as soon as you get water soaking into wool, it's like you might as well just put lead weights around their ankles. You, you can't physically pull them up. And we saw on Norfolk Island as well a lot of um, soldiers that fell overboard rowing to and from ships mm-hmm. that just went straight down. They yep. couldn't get them back up and they, they drowned. Because they, they had no idea how to swim. No. They didn't have to Apart learn. Apart from the fact that they were <laughs> weighed down with everything. So this young soldier is still seen on the cottage stoop looking out over the dark waters. Some people report they've seen dark spirits pulling him into the waters where he died. So there were hands that were coming up and pulling him down under the water. Mm, So perhaps the spirit of young keeps watch around the jetty to ensure that no one else suffers the fate that he suffered from. Now, as you mentioned, there is the Isle of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Now, that is located just off the mainland. If you do want to go visit that, you have to book that in as a separate event. There is a ferry that goes across, and we did get Auntie Nata onto a ferry to go across because she was so determined to get to that island Mm -hmm. because you don't do water. No, I don't. You don't. Um, And this is supposed to be one of the most haunted places in Port Arthur. Uh, it's very scary during the day and the night, although, as you said, I would rather just... Oh, I'd love to go there during the night. <laughs> Can't they just... Can we just hide and no, pretend we that we're still there? And just when they come over the next morning with the first round, go, surprise! <laughs> oh. Um, so it was here that the dead from the prison were uh, were buried initially. Over 1,600 prisoners are buried there. Uh, and... They they did start off giving them marked graves, but now they just they couldn't. So it became a mass burial site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say they were just throwing them one on top of the other. Yep. Uh, so there, it's well known among spiritual believers that someone who does not receive a proper burial without a marked headstone, head, head tombstone. What am I saying? My head, words are headstone. Head head headstone. Tombstone will roam the earth forevermore, endlessly seeking revenge and unable to take their eternal rest. That's a horrible thing to say about a soul, that's honestly. These, these spiritual that's, people come that's up That's a some, curse. These spiritual people come up that with some doozies, don't they? Oh. Now, you did mention the grave digger having seen the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was... Uh, uh, he, what did he say here? Jeffrey reported that the devil appeared to him, destroyed his heart, and left Jeffrey shaking in pure terror. Um, I think that maybe Jeffrey got drunk and uh, wrecked his house and blamed it on the devil. He's supposed to have spent the rest of his days in the asylum. Oh, okay. Mm. Point Pure Prison was a separate island that only held young offenders. So this is our... Yeah, penitentiary. Uh, for, yeah, the... Um, for little boys. What did they say they, they were? The lost boys? Mm-hmm. 
I can't get any words together today. Uh, it was thought by keeping them far away from the mainland that the children would not be subject to the negative influences of all the adults that were around. And obviously, Lord of the Flies had been Lord of the Flies, yet. that's what it was. It had not been written yet, so. Did, was... did you say how many boys were sent to the island? No, I didn't. 3,000. God, blimey. 3,000. <sighs> And they were aged 14 to 17. All those oh, hormones. Oh, in the worst years oh, ever. No. no wonder they put them out there at that age. Oh, I would have put my son out there at that age. Um, there were records of boys as young as nine being sent there. Nothing remains of that prison there today except for the spirits of the young boys mm. who died on the island. Um, people constantly are reporting the sounds of children's voices on the island, crying out in pain and screaming out for help. But when they actually go over to the island to make sure that nobody has been left there, there is no one no there. No one there. I think I dropped the pages and got them out of order. Oh, nothing unusual, is it? So then we're going to talk about a murder at the church. A murder at the church? A murder at the church. So the Port Arthur. Uh, I'm just going to go and bash my head on a wall somewhere. Um, so they built the church. One day, a violent prisoner got into an argument with another labourer. In other words, two convicts got into a fight. Without a thought, the prisoner picked up a pickaxe and struck him across the head three times. Ouch. When he was done, he placed the pickaxe down and whispered, I am satisfied. <laughs> It would be. <laughs> I mean, what could they do? He's already in, in prison. Apparently blood was splattered all over the wall, so there's that cursed church. Mm-hmm. Although the blood was washed from the walls, the ivy, which grows over the rest of the church, would never grow where the man's blood had been spilled. Oh, there you go. Mm. I've got a nice photo of Roman and I in that church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bell, uh, the church bell tower. So there's been reports of uh, strange figures in the bell tower at night, despite the fact that there's no stairs even going up to the... <laughs> that was, it was Dracula. He flew in. Well, at least that's something that you can't set up then. Yeah. And the bells, which are now down on the ground, have also been heard to ring out just every now and then, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there is no ringer present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if they're on the ground, they wouldn't be able to vibrate. Because no. that's what the it relies on that vibration of the the thing being struck, so I imagine someone could go up and whack it, but it's not going to vibrate. No, hmm. interesting. Perhaps this is the spirit from the prison pleading for help, unknowing of the fact that he is already dead. I like the way these people have written this. I'll I'll give you the notes on who this was shortly. Oh, the parsonage building. Yeah, yeah. So it's a brightly painted terracotta exterior. Uh, This is a funny little story about this lot. Uh, Apparently, the Reverend Durham Durham, uh, and another family... Oh, hang on, hang on. It's Reverend George Eastman, that's the one, arrived with his wife, Louise, and their ten children. Ten children, okay? Because contraception wasn't a thing back then. This is in the mid-1800s. The children were poorly behaved and were notorious for destroying the gardens and surrounding prison farmland. (laughs) I'll put them in. Just lock them up. Put them on the island, I say. (laughs) Just lock them out there. Their carefree and rude attitude angered the inmates greatly, as if the inmates were going to get a say. They were tortured. Yes. Perhaps the children were influenced by their father, who had little regard for the prisoners. Aren't they supposed to be there to service the souls of these poor people who have gone on the wrong path? Oh, he would have cracked the shits having to come out to to Tasmania, the end of the world. Yes. Now, Reverend George Eastman died in 1870 in the house. Mm. Now, after his death, people began to see his apparition... In the parsonage, almost immediately, plus, oh, you're going to love this, a strong sulfuric odour would fill the home. We know where he's gone. Oh, he's come up from hell. He's been sent down to the the Satan and his minions. Oh, no. Here we go. Um, So they, they smelled the sulfur, but they couldn't find the sauce. Moaning and other strange no- noises would be heard at night. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's how they got the ten children. Mm. Lights would flash on and off, even when no, was ho- no one was home. 
Eastman was supposed to be a good man, but he died very young. And so I thought they said up there that he wasn't a very good man. After his death, he left his wife and 10 children to fend for themselves as they were not cared for by the ministry or the government. Oh, no, that poor lady. So not only was he sent to the ends of the earth and then died, they just leave, oh, well, tough luck. We've lost the one we wanted. You guys can just all bugger off. The widow and the children, (coughs) sorry, lived a difficult life of poverty until their ultimate end. So maybe Eastman's ghost is coming back to mourn for the unfair atrocities that happened to his family. True. Now, there is the Junior Medical Officer's Home. That's supposed to be very haunted as well. Yeah, it's called Officer's Row. Now, we have an Officer's Row down in Norfolk Island too, don't we? Yes, yes. Beautiful, big homes. Uh, the basement of the medical officer's home was where senior surgeon's dissection room was located. It was there that the former inmates' dead bodies were opened up and examined. But their bodies weren't simply dissected for routine op- autopsies. Sometimes medical experiments were taken out on those dead bodies, even though the prisoners had not given their consent to do so. And as we reported in Derby Jail... There is a lot of religious superstition surrounding that as well, where mm-hmm. they believe that if your body is tampered with after death and not whole, not whole and not buried properly, that they will not rest. It's a desecration of not only the body but of the soul. Never mind the illegal experiments. <sighs> Apparently, when you walk into the old dissection room, the temperature drops drastically. More than it should for an underground basement. Mm. People have reported seeing eyes on the wall and bloody faces appearing on the stones, only to instantly disappear. Perhaps these may be the poor prisoners that have been wronged and they're waiting to get their revenge on the surgeon. Okay. Aren't these great? Mm-hmm. Do you like this menu? Mm-hmm. Shall we go now to the lady in blue? Mm-hmm. If it's not a lady in white, it's a lady in blue. Ah, the most famous ghost in Officer's Row is that of a rather sad lady who lost her baby. She was called the lady in blue because of a blue dress she wears. Mm-hmm. Wow, who would have thought to have called that? One of the officer's wives suffered a horrific miscarriage while she was living there and there would have been no help, there would have been no doctors or they would have been quite some way away. It said that she is still searching the grounds for her unborn child. Oh, poor darling. Oh, it's rumoured that the baby could not be buried with the mother on the Isle of the Dead because the child... I hate people sometimes. Oh, I really, really do. really? Because it wasn't it baptized? It wasn't baptised. What? Really? Back then, you couldn't bury an unbaptized child on consecrated ground. <clears throat> right. People make me sick. <sighs> no wonder that poor mama is unsettled. No, yeah, no I'd wonder, be unsettled yeah, as well. I'd be going and searching out the people that made those bloody rules. Oh, we're going to have to put a language warning on this episode, Renata. <laughs> <laughs> We've been a bit sweary. Uh, right. Uh, now, the asylum. You can imagine there would be a few ghosts in there. Mm. So these were the prisoners who were too mentally ill to uh, serve out their sentence in the central prison. They were put into this area. Now, in that place, you will hear footsteps at night. The lights will turn on and off on their own. There's two famous ghosts in there, and that would be that of a young girl and an older woman who apparently still roam the halls. The prison was closed in 1877 and it was refurbished and turned into a school. So they don't know whether this is a school teacher and a pupil that is haunting the halls or whether it's some old inmates. Mm -hmm. Who knows? And they've got the whole stone tape theory with those big sandstone blocks. It could be that whole replay. Very, very um, weird place, that penitentiary. Yeah. So there's some apparently some famous ghosts in here. I'm sure their names are well known throughout the universe. Famous ghosts. Famous ghosts. Tell me more. William Carter. Now apparently he took his own life in his cell in 1867 because mm-hmm. he felt that was the only way that he could escape this horrible silent system. And you know things are bad when 
that's considered to be better than than yeah, being, being alive. Yep. Yeah, being alive being in those alive. situations. So you can still visit his cell today and people report that when they go in there, they feel an overwhelming sense of sadness oh, as if his spirit is still lingering there and his, his essence has permeated into those walls. Mm. Uh, yeah, so also another thing that happens in the, this is the separate prison that we were talking about. People feel like they're being touched when there is no one there. They've been scratched by phantom hands in Sea Wing where the most dangerous and violent criminals and some of the insane were kept. Um, There is a ghost called John Gould, who was a criminal sent there for attempted rape of a child. He appears in a small window of his cell, peering out hauntingly at the guests. But one of the saddest stories they have is of a young boy who was sentenced to death. A young boy. It's like, it was rare to do that, but... You'd think, what would he have done mm. to warrant the death sentence? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. They haven't told me what it is in the story here, but they report they can hear the cries of a young boy at night time, just like the cries he was said to make just before he was executed. Can't even imagine. Probably stole a handkerchief or yeah, something. Probably. Probably a lady or a lord's hanky, and they've got their knickers and a knot about it. Look, there is... There are so many stories, but we're we're running out of time because uh, I know we've got to go and do our radio show tonight. But uh, there was one thing I wanted to bring up about. Uh, I'll tell you one more story, just one more. So this is from a website uh, where I get a lot of the ghost stories, and it's people's personal experiences. And this one's called the Rocking Chair, and it was by Katie eight seven eight. And she said, this happened about a year ago when my mum and I were at a historical site called Port Arthur in Tasmania. We were walking into the community residence when my mum felt that something was watching her. She turned to see who or what it was, but there was nobody in my room except my mum and me. And I swore I wasn't watching her. She was also really cold. Even if she was standing next to the fire, it was still really cold. I told mum that I wanted to walk around by myself and she agreed. I started to walk down the hallway, the hallway was really long, and looking into the rooms. One room in particular stands out to me. When I finished walking down to the end of the hallway, I walked back up to see the room. The room had a piano and a rocking chair in it and all these pictures around the room of people standing around the chair and a figure in the chair. Then right before my eyes... The chair started to rock. I thought it was a prank, but when I saw there was no string and no breeze, I was terrified. I ran out of the room and stayed behind mum for the rest of the time I was there. I would not stop following her until she left the building. So when we finally got out of the residence, my mum told me that she was getting warm again. It was a very chilling experience. Mm. But there was something I wanted to mention before we, we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And this is to do with the, the massacre that we had. So Port Arthur is known as a, a truly haunted site. And after uh, all these beautiful souls were taken, they shut down the site for some time. Mm-hmm. Yep. As you would. And then when they went to start up their tours again there was quite a bit of an uprising for the the people who lived there saying, you can't do ghost tours. Yeah. After what has happened on this site, Mm -hmm. you cannot do ghost tours. And I sort of get it. Yeah. Because even we've been reluctant to do this story. Yeah. So... The amount of pain, again, the amount of pain that um, a mass murder has the the amount of emotional trauma and torture it does to everyone especially those that are connected is it's unthinkable yeah and this is a quote uh, from a tour supervisor he said after the massacre there was a big uprising of people saying the ghost tour ghost tours were not fitting because people would think it was a ghost tour to bring back ghosts of people just recently killed so we actually changed the name from ghost tours to historic ghost tours to define that. And then we basically restarted changing the scripts 
and changing the routes that they followed. And we, it all happened in a cafe. They've screened it off with um, beautiful vines and a, a fountain of remembrance. And you just go and sit there. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you do. And I would I would be very disappointed in any ghost hunter that went in there and tried to investigate. Mm. I really would. Uh, I think what they've done is so tasteful. Mm-hmm. It's it was the perfect way to do it. But I also understand that they needed to run these ghost tours because they were the most popular tour. Yes. And they need to make money to keep that site operational. Yep. And we know that with Maitland Jail as well. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like the ghost tours, but it brings in a good whack of money for the jail and they need it for the repairs. They do. And if you get the right people to do it, it can be done very tastefully. Mm -hmm. So Renata... Is Port Arthur really truly haunted? Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> I even remember going into, I think it was the Commandant's house, and I had the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. It just, it wore, yeah. yeah. I have never done a nighttime tour there. Would love to. It was always booked out. We could never mm-hmm. get in. Mm. So maybe we might have to plan really far in advance, <clears throat> and we'll we'll book the tour, and then we'll book our flights after that. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we yeah. go to Tassie again? Yes, of course. Excellent. I like that idea. We need to get out of here because we've got to go and do a radio show now. Make sure you check out Spooky Sundays. It's also a podcast. You'll find that under the uh, tag Newcastle Live. And our other podcast is Diary of a Ghost Hunter and that's under Frightfully Good Productions. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Please leave us a review, share it with your mates. And if you'd like to become a Patreon, don't forget to join that in the Grand Pooh Bars. Thanks for being with us, guys. See you on the dark side. And stay frightfully good. And buy us a coffee. Buy us a coffee. Yes, we'll put the link in the comments. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata... Follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. <laughs>